stay the course. We are dead. We are all dead. We were supposed to make the world a better place. What happened? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I know kung fu. You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. This whole thing is insane. This whole thing is insane. 300 years ago, you'd have been burned at a stake. What do all men of power want? More power. This is now the United States of Zombieland. This whole thing is insane. Man is evil, capable of nothing but destruction. Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert. Of the real. More power. There can be only one. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? You're such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy heresies and welcome to the desert of the real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it is, it just is. Especially with the latest AB Live, audio version for the In This Eternal Now and In This Red Pill Cafeteria. David Block was in the burning house, and you know he elevated the virtual Alexandria. In the fourth installment of his series, David fully exposed the Gollum God and his machinations. This disclosure included the truth about CERN, DNA harvesting, DARPA, artificial intelligence, and more. David connected all these findings to ancient mystical concepts like the Tarot, the Demon Apollyon, Dante's Inferno, and so much more. Prepare yourself for the ride of your lifetime. And don't forget, the experience starts in less than a week, next Friday. Join me for Astronosis, live from the Theosophical Society. Some physical tickets are available, but get your online tickets now while you can. Stream live, interact in real time, or get a dedicated replay after the event. This year's one and only Gnostic Conference is about the Archons, with Richard Smoley, April DeConnick, Steven Snyder, Chris Knowles, Mitch Horowitz, James True, and more. You'll get more than 15 hours of liberating Gnosis, including an engaging panel discussion. Link in the show notes or go to thegodabovegod.com. And don't expect any of this content to ever be out in YouTube or any other platform, as I'll likely keep it behind a paywall. Hope to see you there. Hope to interact with you in a unique once-in-a-lifetime experience. Other than that, let us to our AB Live with David Block.
Welcome, everybody, to AM Byte. Welcome to the latest AB Live, episode 131. So much heresy and so happy to see you. My name is Miguel Connor, and I am still your pompous of gnosis, that madman across the waters of creation. And you just saw an introduction or a promo video for Astronosis. It is next Friday, and we're very excited because it's going to be amazing. The speaker lineup is, ama is amazing. Some of the insights that they've told me they're going to share, you will not hear anywhere else. The workshops are going to be magical with very cool, interactive, and helpful, magical, and meditative uh, keys. And uh, the panel is just going to be awesome. We still have physical tickets left, a few, but online tickets are available. And uh, yeah, please join us because it will be exclusive and I will not be sharing these anywhere else. They will probably remain under a paywall because again, this is completely exclusive and we wanna make sure that we get this as an intimate uh, event every year as we grow Astronosis because we need this more than ever. We need to interact physically. We need to be, you need to have the Gnosis that only you should have and is not out there in a world full of AIs and algorithms and other archons, which will be our topic today. So please join us for Astronosis. There will be links on the show notes. And yes, it's there next Friday, Friday and Saturday, the summer solstice, St. John the Baptist Day and all that good stuff. But enough of that. Uh, as always, it is truly an honor to have the uh, Gollum God Killer himself, David Block. David, how are you? It's great. Thank you, Miguel. Thanks for having me on. And it's a pleasure, as always. Well, oh. a great show. Oh, as always, yes. People get very excited when you come here to the virtual Alexandria to share your insights, which are always mind-blowing. And with us, we've got the concerned transhuman himself, Van Saatchi. Vance, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Uh, I'm scared now. I'm scared because supposing the AI takes over CERN, then what's going to happen? Oh, Exactly, exactly. Interesting times, but they've always been the same times. There's always an Archon threat in any time, in any place, and it's, it's up true. to us to simply do what we humans do best. Wake up, innovate, create art, all the stuff that has allowed us not just to survive, but really thrive and create uh, amazing things in the universe and make a better universe, not just for us, but animals, the environment, and all that. The gods themselves sometimes thank, thank us. So here we are. Yes, uh, I see the the chat is uh, growing, the chatico. So uh, if uh, you have any questions for David after the, uh, this will probably be just the first half of, uh, well, let me back up, David. It's a four-part series, but we'll probably go to five parts and if we have to go to six parts, let's do it. The important thing is we get that Gnosis out to you. But if you have any questions, again, please super chat them because that's the way we can easily uh, pluck them out from the ether of the Chitico and address your questions or comments or anything else you have. And it does support this show when we need, uh, well, I can't do it without you. And if anything, as always, uh, please like, uh, subscribe, and 
get the word out there. Very important, and I do appreciate those of you who support on a weekly basis or when you can. So I think that's all I got, really. Uh, why don't we just, well, let's stop wasting time. Uh, let's just get into it. All right, David, I'm. do you want to say anything or just jump, uh, bring up the presentation? We bring up the presentation and I can talk a little bit about it in the first slide. Uh, this is the fourth part, uh, Abaddon Napoleon, Jeans, Monsters and Men. And it is a little contribution to Joseph P. Farrell. And I'm going to talk uh, quite a lot about his books here. I hope it won't get boring, but <laughs> quite a lot of information there. But it's very, very important. Uh, we haven't come to the exact, exact same conclusions, but a lot of it is very good information. Highly recommend his books. And uh, we are talking about Apollyon here today. And it's not like Apollyon is the evil demon, but it is a harsh force, force to, to work with. And it is a force you have to transform. Otherwise, it can be quite rough for you. This is very hard to finish what you start when you do the method, the necessary method, or you will fail and you will take the consequence of it. And we know maybe Apollyon from the book, book Revelation in the Bible, and it's the book number 66 in the New Testament. Very interesting number. And we find this number 911. And uh, that number is everybody knows about 911, of course. But in the Revelation, it states King, King James Version. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. But in the Greek tongue, hath his name Apollyon. And the number 11 is, of course, very important in cliffotic uh, practices and esoteric methods. And it's the 11th Sephiroth on the cliffotic tree, the secret, the hidden uh, Sephira, leading to the other side of the tree. And if you add up 1, 2, 11, you got number 66. That is 1 plus 2 plus 3, all the way up to 11. Now I'm going to talk about this number much more later on. There's very, two very different ways to go about esoteric method. We have an elite that use a lot of technology. I'm going to talk a lot about technology and material uh, aspect of this. When I talk about the, the tower card, of course there are much more to that card than just the material stuff. The most important part is the mental understanding, the, the mental state, state of what you're supposed to work with mentally, with your spirit. But today I'm going to focus on the material part. Doesn't mean that I don't understand the other part, but we have to cut straight to the chase here. And of course we have this famous uh, tarot deck from Alistair Crowley and 
that card number 11 is very, very important for Alice Crowley and OTO and Thelema and all of that. And on this card, he has changed the card from the rider Vitek to Lust. And you have this lady riding on this lion. And this lady is Babalon. Babalon is referred to as the Scarlet Woman, the Great Mother and the Mother of Abomination. Her god form is that of a secret whore, secret whore. And her primary symbol is the chalice or grail. Babylon is often described as being girt with a sword and riding the beast, with whom, whom Alistair Crowley personally identify as the beast 666. And we come back to this 11th the black sun, and Saturn, and all of those are related. It's very complicated. Doesn't mean that Alistair Crowley is evil. <laughs> evil is much more complicated than that. You can say that he started something and that other magicians took over and run with it. Right. And we come into the technology part through Jack Parsons and NASA and all of that. So please, no evil male <laughs> if you're into Alistair Crowley. <laughs> we are going to talk a lot about Greek mythology here. And this is exactly the reason why I started uh, state what I did in the beginning here. And you will understand how we try to explain what's happening here. We have a satyr in the Greek mythology, a satyr Marcias. Uh, challenge Apollo on a duel, a music duel. This is very important. Remember this, a music duel. When he played the flute in rivalry with Apollo's lyre, lost that, that risky contest and also his life, for they had agree agreed that whoever lost would become the victor's prey. As he shrieked in agony, Apollo ripped his skin off his limbs. So when you do this, when you go about this business, this strict method, challenges, it forces, see to it that you win, that you transform these forces. If you ain't up to the challenge, if you are the wrong kind of a person, you will fail. Then we have Dante's Inferno. And I will come to that more soon. He opens the Paradiso, the third and final book of the Commedia, with appeal to Apollo, the god of prophecy and poetry, to possess him and make him a suitable instrument to deliver his message. They're talking about music instruments, but of course, instruments can mean a little bit different things there. But this is how esoteric. People use language, pay attention, they play around the words, numbers, symbols, and you get layers of layers of meaning in it. Let's return to Sumer and to a very important myth or mythology. They ain't myth, but it's, a, it's more of a reality. But Atreasis. In Atreasis, 
states the following is about Morduk. Morduk is the, the main Anunnaki god of the younger Anunnaki gods. Atrasis, Sarpanit is born. Morduk espouses Sarpanit. The Gigi come down and espouses daughters of men. Now, it's more that the washers came down to prepare the Nephilim to be able to sustain the spark or to, to be able to have this, ignite this force later on. Marduk defeats Tiamat, Kingu, Belial's blood. In this mythology, they use Kingu's blood to fashion mankind. Therefore, we have Kingu's blood in our veins, meaning that we can always come in contact with the ancient one. Doesn't matter how far, how much they close it off, it is within us. The Anokifer rise of a new race of demigods. The genetic tree of humans is thereafter altered. Human population increase in disturbing numbers. This is according to the Anunnaki gods. I am not the one to state that. But remember that because that is exactly what the elite is talking about today. I don't agree with that. The deluge comes and the vessel of Atraasis survive. Moro take over the right to rule, and he got his 50 names. If I can't rule in heaven, I will rule in hell instead. Moruk fixed the stargates of the elder gods. Moruk fixed the gate for the moon god. The keys shall be hidden except for my offspring. The matrix is sealed under Morduk's 50 name. names. Enlisan takes over. Ninurta, Saturn, a former god. The demiurge is born through Morduk, Enlil, Ninurta and Saturn. And Ninurta is Saturn. But all of these forces, I would argue, is within this demiurgic complex. Are you with me so far? So far, so good, or maybe so bad. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm, of course, I'm going to take you through this. This is very important to know the Anunnaki mythology. It's very important to understand what's happening today. You will see a lot of this mirror in what we call the so-called elite. This idea of depopulation and that we are too many. The idea of technology. This is very important. If you don't understand the background, you you will not understand what's happening today. And I'm going to prove it here today, I hope. This is Jean's Monsters and Man. The power of man is the power of the ancient ones. The power of man is knowledge of the ancient ones. Power is in the blood, blood of starfire. Blood of the ancient one is the blood of man. The blood of Kingu, Belial, 
the ninth gate is the door to the abyss that which we must cross to complete our journey. To enter the gate is to surrender to the divine feminine, the dragon Tiamat. Connecting with the source of our life allows us an, an unlocking of latent DNA to tap potentials of genetic memory encoded into the human condition. This is a war over your DNA. This is genes, monsters and men. And make no mistake about it. That is what we are today. And I will try to prove that. <laughs> Let's see. <clears throat> Back to Dante's Divine Comedy and just to show that <clears throat> a lot of it is he's talking about this demon Apollyon Apollo or Abaddon. <clears throat> In Paradiso, the third and final candisa of the Divine Comedy, Dante is primarily concerned with the justice. Many of the figures he meets during his tour of heaven are concerned about injustice that prevail on earth, especially corrupt rulers who, who, whose actions harm everyday people. Dante and Beatrice meet 12 wise men in the sphere of the sun. So here we can see, and I agree, that if you can overcome these forces and transform you through these forces, then you transform and you go further on your esoteric journey or with your method. So it's not like it's evil, but if you don't manage to overcome the ordeals, then it can become very dangerous for you. For you. Therefore, there is a, a reason why, like Christian, deem all these forces evil and dangerous. But you have to be able, or you have to risk it, in order for tran for transformation. Not, nothing important is is without risk. It's how we learn. But if you are have the right attention and right focus, you will transform. And this is a very powerful method. I'm going to talk about those who have failed this, and we all know them. We call them the elite, but also the ones who succeed. Because first and foremost, I want to inspire you to do this journey, <laughs> but it is not without warnings and it's not without cost. You have to redefine yourself. And we humans are very comfortable. We, are, we know what we have. Change is uh, hard for us. Yeah, can be a force. Now we're talking about a total transformation of yourself through a method. So for, for the most important, important here is to inspire you to do, do, do the work. At the same time, it comes with a warning and I want you to know what's going on today in order for you to be able to protect yourself against this. 
So we have this movie, Inferno, with Tom Hanks. Uh, and Dante's Divine Comedy is very important in the plot, in the narrative. And this character Langdon is up against uh, an organization who wants to spread wires that alters humans' DNA in order for them not to be able to have children and therefore take down the population number to what they deem okay. And in this movie, a car comes up very close to Langdon and it has a plate on the car says QX666P2. And of course, that's a reference to the Black Sun, and P2 is a Freemason Lodge, P2 Lodge. And I want to remind you again that this movie is about <laughs> virus, uh, increased population. The location they are filming the movie in is Florence and Venice. <laughs> that should tell you something. If it doesn't tell you anything now, I will promise you, it will tell you something very soon when I present, present the, the demiurgic elite, where they come from. Back to Sumer and Babylon. We have this Anunnaki family. The main god is Anu. And Anu had two sons, Enki and Enlil. The Enki line is the shepherd kings, and the Enli line is the farmer. This trinity is the older generation of Anunnaki gods. The younger Anunnaki gods ruled by Morduk. He took over the right to rule after defeating Tiamat. He got his 50 names and the right to rule. The problem is that this doesn't settle the score between these families. Rather, it's just ramping up a conflict even further between these lines. And I will show you and argue that Ninurta takes over, and you see it in the Old Testament. Therefore, the right to rule goes over to Ninurta, or Saturn. And we have this famous incident we are talking about it before, so I'm not going to <laughs> talk, talk about it that much. But I want to point out a couple of things here because it's very easy to go straight. Who destroys the tower and who is building it? Because there are misunderstandings here. You see, Nimrod is not the one who built, who, who built the tower. It was the Mardukites built the tower. The priesthood of Morduk, of course, with help of workers. But it is Nimrod who destroys the tower. And Nimrod is Ninurta, is Saturn. And he has an order from Enlil to destroy it. And Nurgal is also in on the destruction of the tower. And Nurgal is Mars, the god of war. So this lightning flash struck the tower 
and destroys it. And I will argue that this tower existed and it had a lot of technology attached to it in order to reach the heavens, open stargates, open uh, tunnels. After this, Ninurta and the Enlil line starts to take over again. So it's a war, it's a battle going on between these forces. Even though Marduk got the right rule, they didn't just accept it and said, okay, let's end this. And when I say the right to rule, he was supposed to be the gods above all the other gods, the god that you should worship. Doesn't mean only one god exists, but I am the god you should worship, not the other ones. Then you have Marduk, Jupiter the Younger. Marduk, Merodach, Serpanit, Muluki, Jupiter. Marduk fixed the stargates of the elder gods and the stars he gave image as the stars of the zodiac, which he fixed in place. His heart called to him to devise a cunning plan. He approached Eo Enki, saying, The key to the gate shall be ever hidden, except to my offspring. I will take my blood, and with bone I will fashion a race of men, that they may keep watch over the gate. Morduk sealed and closed the matrix under him. And this is from the mythologies, coming from Sumer form of clay, ta clay ta tablets. The industry and raw expensive power of Jupiter is placed at the height of most Olympian pantheon, Zeus. The original designation of Jupiter is 50, the number attributed first to Enlil and later to Marduk. Marduk passed through and surveyed the regions of heaven. And over the deep he set the dwelling of Nodimud, Enki. And after meshing the structure of the deep, he found his mansion, Olympus, which was created like unto heaven, and he set down the fixed district of Anu Enlil Enki to reign. And here you have the connection between Morduk and Zeus. Marduk Jesus, as I stated before. But it's very easy to think it's Enlil because both of them have 50 and it's attributed to Jupiter. But it's a war here. They are taking over this force energy pattern. It's a war over Jupiter and Saturn, you can say. So it's very hard and it's very easy to go astray. But it's very important because the detail is, details is very important here. If you want to go astray and lose the grip of the narrative.
And then we have maybe the main god here today, Ninurta Saturn. Enlil, Elder Jupiter, it can be said that Enlil is indeed the god of the Israelites and the Judeo-Christian and Islamic traditions. And with his own heir, Ninurta, as successor, successor to him. And Ninurta is Saturn. And I think you all <laughs> know what this is. It's the Kaaba in Mecca. And of course, it's a reference to Ninurta, Saturn. And Saturn is a former god, harvest, sacrifice, Nimrod, Balhamun, Saturn. Names attribute to him. And Alistair Crowley is talking about Babylon, the whore, the sacred whore, and B9 Saturn is attributed to this force Babylon. And in this belly of the beast, you have a silver female genitalia underneath the cloth, the black cloth. So what is this silver genitalia? What is this all about? Of course, there is, it's not an easy answer, but I will give you three, and two of them are very related to each other. The goddess Ishtar is the daughter of Enlil, sister to Ninurta. But Ishtar was a rebellious daughter of Enlil. They didn't have control over her. Sometimes she went over to the Enki side, sometimes with Enlil's side, sometimes as, uh, as a rebel uh, doing witchcraft. And then you have Lilith, and Lilith is the moon, it's a, a moon goddess and a feminine lunar goddess and silver is of course uh, attributed to the moon and it is the ninth Sephiroth coming to Tiamat the gate to the ancient one goes through Tiamat the female dragon currents inside of the belly of Ninurta Saturn trapped or closed or swallowed, sealed off. But they cannot keep you out, but they can make it very hard for you to access right. it. The best way for them to do it is really to convince you that you are a sinner and your award will come after death if you're a good boy. A boy. Most important, good girl, that's the most important stuff, but even a good boy. It is of course about control. And we can see this in the Muslim faith. Most of, of them is free. So who are the servants of the demigod? Because they are a serving class, serving 
the demigod. And we can trace them back to Babylon and Egypt. And from Babylon and Egypt to Rome, with a detour through Persia and Carthago, Carthage, Carthage. And from Rome, they went to Venice and Florence. Remember in the movie Inferno, they were in Florence and Venice hunting for this <laughs> esoteric organization. Or... And from Venice, they went to America through Columbus. And for a short period of time, they ended up in the Netherlands and finally ended up in London. And it's a banking family elite. And their symbol is a snake for the most part. And in Babylon, they were the ones who started with the banking system we have today. Of course, it had been fine-tuned, but it, the idea started in Babylon. In, uh, and the priest class was heavily involved with it. They minted and printed the coins in, in the temple of, of a specific god. So, to cut to the chase, let's talk about some specific families. And you have probably heard one of this before, and probably the second as well, but in another name. I want to mention three families. I can mention more, but this is enough. And you have the Rothschild, you have the Este, and you have Abyss. Let's start with the Rothschilds. You had a, a Rothschild called Mayor Rothschild. Start, uh, he was involved in starting Illuminati, for example. Another was called Alfonso. Alfonso. Albert Anselmo Solomon Nimrod was another Rothschild. And now you see the name Nimrod comes in there because they want to trace the family back to this character Nimrod. Now, if you think Nimrod is a falling angel or a watcher, you have gone astray already. Nimrod is Saturn. Baal Hamon, the Demiurge. So you have some family names within the Rothschild attributed to Nimrod. And this Alphonse had a son and they named him Albert Anselm Solomon Nimrod. Two very interesting names in the Solomon Nimrod. Of course, Solomon, the Solomon's temple, is the new Babylon, or the new Babel's tower. The second Solomon's temple was built with Babylon bank banking money when they released the Hebrews, the Jews, from the imprisonment. Freed by Cyrus, so-called great. Let's 
talk about the Este. Who are they? They are an elite family from Venice. And this is a problem when they're talking about these 13 bloodlines of the Illuminati. Because no one, no of the of the Italian families are mentioned, and that's that is a mistake. I will say that that list, the 13 bloodlines, is not correct. The Este family uh, was split up: Wealth Este and Hanover. And the Hanover part of the Este ended up in England, take over the throne in England. And the Este family ordered a tarot deck called Sula, Sula Busca to be made. And this Sula Busca is the oldest tarot deck that are complete, nothing missing, no card missing. It is all of the cards is there and it is 78 cards in the deck. Therefore, it is a true, a real tarot deck. I'm going to talk about this deck because this deck exposed them. The worldview. And then you have this Abyss family. And Abyss is, of course, Fauci. And Fauci, we, you know, Fauci is, of course, everybody knows him today. The Fauci? <laughs> <laughs> So here you have the Sola Busca tarot deck and uh, the Este. The Sola Busca is the oldest complete tarot chip in existence. It is also one of the first to be produced using copper plates engraving, a fact that accounts for its high quality and fine details. Dating from the late 15th century, it appears to have been commissioned by or for a Venetian Patrician, de Este. The elite, and what you come to conclude in this deck is the following. And a very interesting man called Peter Mark Adams write a book about this tarot deck calling, called The Game of Saturn. And he comes to these conclusions. The elite worshipping of the Demiurge as Baal Hammon, Moloch, Kronos Saturn, ruler of the material world. Because the Demiurge, they conclude, was the god of this material world. And this family didn't have an, an, an ambition to become one with the light or to, to try to reach. Uh, the source. No, they said, all right, if the Demiurge is the ruler of the material world, then we want to rule here with him or through him or work with him to gain treasures of the material world. They had no ambition to become anything more than that. They were fallen. I would argue that I already lost the spark. Therefore, they cannot go back to source. A ruler of the material world comes with child sacrifice. Baneful magic through the fixed stars. 
and there are 15 fixed star uh, used to work with in esoteric practices. Conscious reincarnation into the same family bloodline through a method, through, through esoteric method. Because if you are at war with most of the, the planet, then surely, and if you want to destroy uh, their opportunity for the rest of humanity, you don't want to be reborn in the family you have destroyed <laughs> the potentiality for. No, you want to continue on with the game in the same family you left off from to come back to play this game over and over again with the rest of mankind in mind, of course. If they are stuck here in the material world, and it's, if this demiurge is their god, is the god of this material world, then let's worship him. In this Sola Busca deck, we find only three cards that are similar to the original tarot decks. And one of them is the tower. But in this deck, it is number 20. And number 20 is, of course, a number attributed to Saturn. Now I have a little bit different take than Peter Mark Adams in his book, because I think he's wrong with this one. But you can argue, but I think it makes more sense if you understand it this way. Nimrod is the name of the card. And you see the tower is struck by some kind of lightning or wind. And the tower is of course built by Marduk. And if you read the Sumerian mythology, it is destroyed by Nimrod, Ninurta. So it's Nimrod, Ninurta calls down this lightning flash that strikes the tower. He's drawing down the lightning. He's not struck by it. People think he's struck by the lightning. And that Nimrod is one of the watchers. Another card, very interesting card, is number 21, called Nebuchadnezzar II. And of course, this Nebuchadnezzar is very famous because of the Old Testament. And he is the last great Mordecite king. And he wants to rebuild the Tower of Babel. In this deck, he is the card number 21. He's the last card in the deck. And he's sitting there and contemplating. He's, he doesn't seem very happy. And he had this disc above his head with a dragon and a cross. And that's the Demiurg. He's stuck in the material world. And interesting is that the card number Fool, Zero, is Nebuchadnezzar's second as well and here he is in the wilderness going mad eating grass and bugs and all that shit they want you to do today <laughs> here he is piping this bagpipe and he failed the contest with Apollyon 
the music contest is lost and he's stuck in materiality. And of course, there are more meaning to this. This is, I can't talk about this card, <laughs> but I want to remind you about the contest against Apollyon, Apollo, the music contest that failed and he was stripped. The end is also the beginning, an ever return to materiality, the fall, tower of Babel, starting all over again, it becomes the fool and we have to raise up society, the infrastructure to go back where we started and have another go to break out from this matrix prison. But if you are an elite family who doesn't want to or cannot break out of this matrix, they will not be interested to allow you to break out of it either. Therefore, when an apocalypse comes, as today, they will try to keep you here. Because they know the time is now. They are not stupid. They are naive because they think you are a piece of shit, but they are wrong. And uh, this Fauci Abbey's family have a very interesting family <laughs> coat of arms. And in this coat of arms, you see a Bishone. And a Bishone is a snake eating a child. And in, in this case, the snake is yellow and it has two buckets of gold on each side of it. And that's because the Abbott family was a mining family. They mine gold and use children as labor. labor. They were interested in mining gold, gold, children, medicine. Where does this come from? <laughs> Vaccine. And Bishone is the family coat of arms. And you can see this snake symbolism and this recurring theme within these families. Gold, children, sacrifice. And for some reason they are interested in medicine and vaccines. Some of them. Not all, of course. Now in the movie The Shining, I have decoded it in three parts with Miguel, but today I will go even deeper into The Shining, because Stanley Kubrick knew <laughs> a lot of stuff. Here you have Danny standing on this hexagon. And the hexa is a reference to Saturn, among other things. And it is then you stand up against these forces. And you can say that he succeed in the ordeal against Apollo and become this 42. Jack is falling prey to these forces and become the demiurge or this evil force. Stuck in the hotel forever. You have always been the caretaker, Mr. Jack. 
You should call it Hotel California, too, then. (laughs) Job security, huh? (laughs) Working for the government, yeah. The Demiurge government. Can't get fired. Frozen, but not fired. (laughs) (laughs) The frozen part would be great, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Now we come to Farrell's book, The Green of Gods. I should pay attention. A lot of information here. I will try to make it as good as I can. Consider the possibility that there is an alchemical cosmology in very ancient stone monuments. Or consider the possibility that an ancient and hidden elite laid out an entire global construction grid and then built it over millennia. Consider that it then disguised an advanced science within religious myth, concealing a sophisticated physics. And he's talking a lot about the Giza Plateau, of course. And the Great Pyramid on the plateau have different shafts pointing to different star constellations. Orion is one of them. The fixed stars, star Sirius, the dog star. And on the other side, one of the shafts is aimed at Ursa Minor and another to, uh, 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 is aimed at Draco constellation and the fixed star Fuban. In other words, we have rotation. He's talking about the Giza Plateau now and all of these three pyramids on the Giza Plateau. And they have rotated them. In other words, we have rotation within rotation within rotation, all on the surface of the Earth, which is rotating on its axis, revolving around the Sun. If, therefore, as engineer Christopher Dunn has argued to preservely, uh, so preservely in the Giza power plant that the Great Pyramid was a machine for the production of power, indicate that the entire compound may have been designed as some sort of machine, of which Giza is the center, is truly massive. And then he's go over and talk about this guy, Middleton, Middleton Jones, and Wilkie's rotation of Giza through 250 degrees. And if you see on that, you see the hexagram. When you rotate these three pyramids, with rotation within rotation, aimed at the sun, it's very important. Because I think they are aiming these pyramids towards the sun. That's their goal. Even though the shafts is pointing towards different fixed stars. But the main goal is the sun. To transport energy. Sound of DNA, Dr. Konstantin Merrill's 
parapsychical interpretation of ancient temples as scalar resonators. And he's talking about they are writing in codes here. And the code system is as follows. Ancient temple, short wave station, dedicated to one god, as Marduk, for example, fixing the frequency. Supreme god Zeus, range of the short wave. Father of all gods, all short wave bands. Priest, amateur radio operator. Clear enough? Yeah, he must have been a radio operator himself, I bet. He was a ham himself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. And uh, I think they're on something, of course. Otherwise, I wouldn't mention this. <laughs> Doesn't mean that I agree with Joseph P. Farrell on everything. But, and this is very important. I am the one that states that they are uh, uh, transforming using DNA and uh, the mining of gold is a coal, and that's the main purpose. Pharrell is more into that the Giza plateau, plateau is a weapon. I don't, I don't think it's wrong, but I think the pyramids have been used for different purposes. The sound of DNA again here. Dr. Konstantin Meris paleophysical interpretation of ancient temples as scalar resonators. The temple of Zeus has 5 megahertz, sending out a frequency of 5 megahertz. The Apollo temple of Corinth, 9 megahertz. So they are sending out different frequencies, megahertz. This is very interesting because these temples are all over the planet in different forms and shapes, but they are everywhere. And they are, for the most part, put on ley lines. And I want to remind you of one quote from Lucifer. Waking to the grand scale of terror and its source will infect rid mankind of the fear altogether. The table in the temples of the money changers will be turned and then the walls of those temples will fall. Lucifer. And he's talking about these temples here. And in the New Testament, you have this Jesus Joshua character attacking the money changers outside the temple. Yeah, the sound of DNA. I want to remind you again of one quote from Belial here, because this is very important. I want you to have it fresh in your mind when we go further into this maze. By harnessing the sound of silence or the sound of the Hebrew alphabet, which are associated with each path upon the tree of knowledge, the first 22 strand of encoded information can be activated within the race of man. This is to take back the book 
of life from the false god, Daniel. Because we are going to talk about DNA now, because this is the most important component in this grid of the gods, in these temple structures. It's made with you in mind. Ancient esoteric doctrine held that mankind was a microcosm, a little universe, who mirrors in its very constitution a body and a spiritual, or if one prefers, hyperdimensional component, the larger universe. Michael Hayes decided to examine it more closely, and as a result found the breathtaking connection between the code of sacred, ge sacred geometry and the fascination with certain numbers and human DNA. For the living organism, as Dr. Merrill himself alluded to, and more importantly, mankind, one arrives at the final component and resonant cavity of this form of energy, human DNA and its own remarkable embodiment of the very same sacred geometries. The temple in antiquity were all shortwave broadcasting stations, and energy from the field served as an energy source. In the case of the solar god, the radiation of the sun was, the radiation of the sun was used. An explanation here. In physics, radiation is the emission or transmission of energy in the form of waves or particles through space or through a material medium. So here we have DNA as a transducer or as a antenna. And a very important phenomenon in combination of these temples. In Farrell's Babylon Bangsters, human DNA and hermetic code, the I Ching. Hi, yes, in order to give myself a kind of visual aid, an image of the code in action, I had drawn up a diagram incorporating the key number of the biochemical components involved in the process. There were 4, 3, 64 and 22. And the number 22 is very important here. Yeah. Ah, yes, recalls his reaction to this discovery. By this time, having recognized so many similarities between the I Ching and the genetic code, I was convinced that I was onto something of profound importance. So far so good, but what about the number 22? Was there some correspondence between the I Ching and DNA involving these numbers? Hayes puts the problem this way. Now this hexagram, as I said earlier, just like the biochemical hexagrams of the genetic code.
The answer came when Hayes recalled that the number 4364 8 and 22 were a significant component to the Hermetic Code and sacred geometries of the West, and more particularly had a direct connection to music. The number 22 was the key number of the Pythagoreans. The answer is very simple. Is if one sits at a keyboard instrument and begins with the note C and goes upward eight notes using only the white keys, one will arrive back at C, an octave higher, exactly eight notes later. Repeat the process again a third time and one arrives back on the 24th note, which is once again C. But since two of these C's are but, rep but repetition of the original C, one might think of the three octaves as embodiment of the number 22 as well as 24. In other words, the number of the Hermetic Code or Sacred Geometry appeared to be a legacy of a long-lost civilization, predating all the high civilization of the Classic Era the Sumerian, the Egyptian, the Mesopotamian, the Chinese, and the essence of that code was not only musical, but genetic. It was, as Hayes concluded, a natural harmony, and DNA itself was a natural resonator and transducer of it. And remember the contest between this Satyr and Apollo, Apollo, Apollo. Music is very important. The resonance is within us, our DNA. They are talking about CC, you know, in the music scale. And it's going, going into the DNA as well, the C and this key. Same letters are used. So, CERN. Thought it was a great idea to <laughs> give a, an art prize to a lady that constructed a tarot deck called Hexen 2.0. And it's all about transhumanism. Every card is about transhumanism. I'm not saying that transhumanism is bad, but I will say that when technology take over your spark or your light source, then it's not good for you. We are here today, we can talk to each other, I can talk to the world, all my brothers and sisters from all the different countries, that's great. But when it takes over as the elite have fallen prey to this, then it's not good. The number 16 in this deck is the tower, the grid of the gods, I call this card. We can see DARPA in this card, we can see total information awareness, we can see internet, we can see cell phones, phones, airlines, emails, we can see the name DARPA. 
and we got the internet 1991 but it was DARPA and CERN who gave it to us it's their invention and this is called you have transhumanist data mining and internet very interesting choice of words I don't think they gave us the internet out of their huge kindness for humanity. (laughs) (laughs) I think they had a plan. And I think if you think they are stupid for doing this, this is one problem with these people. They have no respect for mainstream humans. They didn't understand what we could do with the internet. Because we have art, we have creativity, we are creative. And they let loose this kind of technology. They open the, the box and the cat was out. But surely they want to take control over this soon again. But internet was a very important component for their agenda. Therefore, they had to put it out. Without this internet, they cannot go ahead with the plan I'm going to talk about right now. But when they did it, they knew it was a, a war over time. Time, the clock start ticking. But they couldn't man- imagine that we would come this far and this in this short amount of time. They are panicking now. Information is coming out. <laughs> we are sitting here. We can share. That's not good for them. Of course. Of course. <laughs> and there you have it, you shining crazy diamonds. It's not all doom and gloom, as David provides solutions to defeating the Archons, even as he reveals in our second part why our DNA is so important to the rulers of this age. So please support this Red Pill Cafeteria for the second part of David's interview, or if you find any value in this content. There are many ways to sub and many ways to support, and one that will fit your needs or budget. If you need any help with any of the choices, just let me know. And certainly don't forget about astronosis in less than a week. The real gnosis happens when we finally get to meet and share personal gnosis. Trust me on that. Online and physical tickets are available. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye, as always.